do indeed have it bad, bad, bad. Is uh, Daggy, Ollie, and Barney uh, back together again a week after the? Re- I was going to say resumption. What did they do? The end of the comp? Conclusion? That's the word. <laughs> Opposite of resumption. Concluding the 2022 NRL Premiership, and we're going to talk about the top four teams just to put a nice bow on it all and uh, give you something to listen to this week. We're on double G today because after this and after another, well, probably six beers by the time we get there, we get to do our bold predictions for this year and look back at who had the boldest winning prediction last year, which is uh, which I'm looking forward to. But before then, how are we all? Yeah, going all right, mate. A bit tired, late night, <laughs> early start, but we're, get, we're getting through it. Standard weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, double duties. I gave myself a good, um, <laughs> gave myself a pasting on Friday and Saturday night. So <laughs> beautiful, and Oliver. Uh, I'm well, but what have you got? Bad, bad, bad. I'm a bit worried about you now. Syphilis. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to touch him, Oliver. It's okay. I know he says you do, but you don't actually have to. <laughs> Yeah, it's not, you're not contractually obliged. Uh, do we talk about news? There's not really a lot to talk about. Not really. No. Let's just talk about the teams. Yep. Fourth spot this year was taken out by the Parramatta Eels, getting there with a late flurry and uh, getting all the way to the grand final, in fact. So, who wants first crack at this? Ollie. Well, I had Parramatta finishing seventh on the ladder, so probably... It, it's weird to say I sort of underestimated them a bit because I feel like there were still large parts of this season where they were Parramatta, right? They were their sort of typical self, sort of underperforming at different stages, but they sort of just did enough to make the top four to the point where they actually secured fourth spot in the last round and then went on to make the grand final. Um, Dylan Brown was, I think, the standout in terms of compared to performance last season. So I guess you could say uh, overperformer or even Sean Lane, right? Either of those guys. Actually, probably more Sean Lane, overperformer. Best player, probably Isaiah Papali'i as well. Consistently been great since he's gone to Parramatta, going to the Tigers next year. Yeah, I, I just think I, I was obviously wrong because I made the top four. I didn't have him to do that and definitely didn't have him making the grand final. And I will say now as well, I've been on record multiple times on this podcast throughout this year and last year saying that their premiership window for me closed in 2020 while they made the grand final this year. So I'd say that's probably a, an open premiership window, even though they didn't win it. But I, I think it might be coming to a bit of an end now anyway. But uh, yeah, for me, the, the overperformer, probably Sean Lane. You can chuck Dylan Brown in there. But player of the year has to be probably, doesn't it? I think so. We're close to it. What yeah. do you think, Barn? Yeah, well, um, what they had 16 wins and eight losses, which was um, one or two of those losses were unexpected too against some of the bottom teams when they were expected to win those games. So I actually had them finishing fourth, and which which they did. They averaged 24 points, four and 20 against, which is probably not the greatest record of someone in the top four, yeah. which sort of yeah. shows their inconsistencies at times during the year. But on the on the whole, I think they overperformed. Um, I had them in fourth as you know. I'd, Realistically expected them to finish the way they did the season previously. With, I, um, straight low, I think so when we all had these teams sort of fourth and fifth, we probably underestimated. We probably thought it was a weaker comp this year, and it, I don't. Well, think it I think it was be just because way. Melbourne sort of lost a few more than mm. what they did the year before. Whereas Penrith and Melbourne the year before just sort of dominated anyone mm. that they played for large large parts of the year. But um, yeah, I think they slightly overperformed through the final series more so than during the season. But yeah. um, yeah, they finished about where I expected them to during the, the normal season. I thought um, 
There, there were some underperformers in this team big time. Uh, there was Jake Arthur, obviously. The bloke didn't get enough time to really stamp his name and became the ire of the, <laughs> the Parramatta fans. But to you definitely have to say it's an underperformance on... Uh, the amount of appearances and time that he did get out there. There was a couple of games where he didn't look like he belonged out there at all, um, even though he was only out there for maybe 15, 20 minutes at a time. When he did have large chunks on the field, he didn't sort of perform the way he should have. Wonga Blake, massive underperformer. Um, the bloke has one good game out of like eight or nine, and it's yeah, it's, it's a bit of a mystery to me how he continues to be picked in a first-grade squad. But... Um, Nathan Brown, another one. Obviously, something's gone on in the background there. I thought he was going okay before he got dropped, but the fact that he missed the, like half the season yeah. has to go in the underperforming bracket. And Mahisi Makatoa, I thought he would rise to another level this year uh, where he ended up being a bit bench player and having real no real impact once he did come on the field. So Last year, that was probably that period with Makatoa where he was coming off the bench. It's when Parramatta lost three or four in a row. or yeah. something to like 20. Yeah, and he, he, was, he, he, was their, yeah. he was their best player. Like, they were losing. He was averaging 16, yeah. 70 super coach points yeah. Like, yeah. week <laughs> after week. And then, yeah, this year. Um, obviously, overperformers. Um, you could say probably Paulo, considering what he's come off of um, having that tag of sort of being pretty lazy realistically <laughs> during the last couple of seasons. I thought he was a much more consistent player this year. So, yeah, I think he sort of shed that tag of uh, the inconsistent underperformer from season, previous seasons. Um, so, yeah, Paulo, for me, was a, an overperformer. Dylan Brown was one of their bigger over, biggest overperformers well, considering where he came from. Because, like, the, obviously the fans love him. He didn't do a lot. He had the breakout year, then a lot well, did a lot second year. Absolute tripe out of him last season. Yeah. <laughs> week and, in and um, week out. But the para fans love him. Is there still a consistency issue with him? Not coming off the back of this year, I don't think. No, so um, happy for the I, I don't think there was or? many games where yeah. you, you didn't sort of mention him. Um, his running game absolutely came to the fore this year. Which well, they've, they've got the right balance. They've got the right balance. To, so that yeah. He's accepted. It's not his job to do anything but be a running five eight. I guess. Yeah, that's right. And when he when he can get into the line and sort of disrupt the defence a little bit, and then he's got the blokes on his inside and outside to help him along with it. It's, um, it makes a massive difference. But I thought he was a massive overperformer in that team. Uh, Ollie already mentioned Sean Lane. He had um, his best season of his career, and um, yeah, if that wasn't an overperformance, considering again another one that we've um, we've given a fair bit of stick to over the last couple of seasons since we've been doing this show. Well, um, he's now in the discussion for probably best hole runner in the game, the yeah, hole hitter. Absolutely and, close to it. Um, I thought that both their edges were the key Got to that. key to Paris' success this season. Yeah, absolutely. Him and Puppy, and they were both absolutely sensational, especially for the last three months of the comp. Uh, Got that deadly offload in him when he gets it right. That's um, yep. just like another another tackle, realistically, off the back of a, a hard charging run. Madison was fantastic week in and week out. Again, we see some attitude issues arise right at the end of the year. I don't know what that says for next year, but um, you didn't hear anything about his attitude this year, so no. it'll be interesting to see what that what prevails next season. But um, I thought it was fantastic for him this year. Regan Campbell Gillard, another one who probably had a, be a career. Best year, um, apart from maybe when he first really wrote, wrote a name for himself at Penrith. It would have been close to one of the best career, uh, seasons of his career. And another one that I really wanted to mention was um, Penasini. I thought he was fantastic for a young bloke coming into the centres. Uh, you see most of them sort of come in and they might catch fire for a game or two and then just disappear. He was very consistent. Even these worst games weren't that, you know, realistically weren't that bad. If you're going to size them up and compare them against some other centres out there at different teams around the around the crowd around the around the around the NRL. But yeah. 
I thought he was a, a, an overperformer as well. Look, let's look to next year. Realistically, is it danger science? Oh, actually, the last one I didn't touch because none of us have. I thought Mitch Moses was fantastic. Yeah, yes, that was absolutely. Brilliant. His yeah. kicking was um, in discussion for uh, at its best. He's got as good a long kicking game in the game when it's right. And he's, the rest of his attacking kicking was, I think, pretty pinpoint. You know? I just left him off the overperformers because this is what well, you not, expect not as, I didn't say you know no overperformer, I mean? but... Well, he was fantastic. Good, good halfbacks yes. get their team, as it's the gumpism from the start of the year. The best halfbacks get the teams to the big games, and he did go into the grand final, and he didn't go missing at all. I can't think of too many games he went missing, unless they were completely belted out of the game in yeah. a couple of those ones through the mid there. Uh, and I thought it was his, or probably his breakout year to, to really stamp himself as a top-line number seven. Well, with Moses, for me, it is probably... The first time, because he had a, a good 2021, I think it's the first time he's actually gotten better after having a good year. There have mm. been years where, oh, he had a really good season, then he sort of let you down the next year, a bit, bit of an underperformer. But I, I'd say 2022 is probably the first time where he's not only strung two, two, two good seasons, mm. but, yeah, he's gotten better. So yeah, 28 try assists, 78% goal kicker, two field goals, and seven tries throughout the year. So decent enough year. He's um, you know, obviously he's never going to be defensively Nathan Cleary or anything like that. No. But plenty of teams will pay a million bucks for him. All right, the window's now closed. Is it for Parramatta? So, is this yeah. their shot? From what they're losing, obviously Papley is a massive loss. Marnie's a massive loss. His service is as good as anyone's in the game, and his defence is top shelf. Uh, but he the. It's the bits and pieces that they lose that is yeah, the next concern because you could almost cop it if they still had Nia Kore and Kofusia. But them going too now means it, you go from testing your depth to having no depth, and that's a, and having to a tricky thing, yeah. especially with the, on the back of very little signings. Um, so where do you see next year sitting for Parramatta? Uh, look, there are people saying that they'll struggle to make the eight, and I think they might in the sense, like, points-wise, with a couple of rounds to go, maybe even the last round, they could miss out. But I just feel like they'll they'll be there. They'll, uh, I'd say probably seventh max, to be honest, but I think they'll be seventh or eighth. But? Um, yeah, I think they'll be s- scratching just to make the eight, to be honest. I think they're going to be... They'll lose at least two rungs from where they were, and they're going to be one of those teams that are going to be struggling to match it with the better teams in the comp. Like, they're... They'll probably get blown away a couple of times by some mm. of the better teams. But, uh. Yeah, I can see it. they suddenly become that team where their centre can collapse. You can you you'll see it around half hour in the game. Their middle will collapse and they'll just get steamrolled and concede points. I think, uh, which is you know a concern. You know, they're still going to be fine with a, a strong enough spine, but I think there's a lot of work to do there at Para, especially you know even without many like Brown looks like he's going too. So there's another there's another. Yeah. You're going to yeah, lose 50 tackles from Mahoney, uh, Papali'i, and yeah, it could be interesting. Third place, the Cowboys. Clearly the surprise packet of the year. I listened back to that last year's bold prediction <laughs> Do we need year. to verbalise where we had them? We all had them running last. last. So you've got to give massive kudos to Todd Payton. You've got to give kudos to what uh, Townsend was able to, to bring to the team and didn't. Uh, incredible effort, hey, Brian? Absolutely, mate. Uh, average 26 points for and um, 16 against, or 15 against, sorry. 17 wins, 7 losses. 
These last these next three teams we're going to talk about were the three fittest teams in the comp. They were the teams that backed up week after week. You never really saw them tired at any stage during the majority of the games during the year. Obviously, everyone has an off game here and there, but these were the teams that just kept coming at you for 80 minutes. And isn't it funny? Three best I defensive teams as well, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. correct. Isn't it funny how you get the, the teams down the bottom whinging how hard preseason is? Uh, and I know only just as a Tigers fan, obviously, I know what used to come out there. Oh, the players are treated too hard. Um, but I'm mad to try and actually get them fit. And at the end of the year, the three fittest teams, and for years and years and years, Melbourne's been the fittest team because you'd have the famous boot camps at the start of the year and everything else. Uh, and isn't it amazing that fitness shines through? And You just go through and you listen to pretty much any one of the Cowboys that was talking about Peyton and how they wanted they wanted out of the place after yeah. <laughs> the first six to eight weeks when he was coming around and kicking their doors in at 4.30 in the morning and running up that fucking hill that they've got up there yeah. in North Queensland time and time and time again. I'd hate the bloke uh, as well. <laughs> 30, 40 degree temperatures in the off-season, like just trudging up and down that hill. And... Yeah. <laughs> Kudos to him, he'd get on his bike and yeah. ride it up the there. Ch- with I was going to say, Chad Townsend was telling a story and he said we all just, they were all just like giving it to him. They hated him. He's just riding his bush bike. Yeah. Yeah. His knees yeah. are fucked and he can't run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's brilliant. But yeah, like obviously the, the, you have to set a standard. You have to drive your players yeah. to a certain point. Otherwise, they don't, you know, you're no chance in get, even getting anywhere near the top four, let alone winning a comp. They're massive overachievers. Um, and the awards followed for, you know, player like Centre of the Year in Holmes and Coach of the Year in Todd Payton. I think they'll be um, stinging badly that they lost to Parramatta in that prelim to get into the grand final. Um, they were every chance of a grand final and probably deserved it more than Parramatta realistically from, from where they'd come from and how their season had gone. Uh, the Hammer was definitely a slight underperformer for mine um, he ended up not finding himself in the team and then when he did he was in pit, bits and pieces and he'd even drop out of the team at different times which I expected him to be um, you know cement his name in the centres and be one of their better players this year Ben Hampton what can you say he just <laughs> he didn't even really make an <laughs> impact ben, I on, like Ben Hampton didn't really make yeah. an impact at all did he I think he played one maybe two games during the year um but there wasn't really a hell of a lot of underperformers in this team. Well, I think when we started, first ever started the show, I was in love with Ben Hampton. He was, I remember when he was... Anyway. Yeah, and you know, this year's probably not a whole lot of his fault, but the fact that in every position other he, he can play in... Yeah, other players did it better. Yeah. Um, and that's why... And speaking of Tabuai Fido as well, this sort of impacts him a bit. I, I'd say one of the overperformers, um, it's actually Peter Hiku, mm-hmm. I'd say as well. He had... Especially, and the reason why I think of him straight away is because I specifically remember last year bagging this signing a little bit, but yeah. he was absolutely fantastic. He was brilliant in some games. Yeah, like, he was uh, probably the reason they beat the Sharks in that semi-final. Um, yeah, and again in the, the next game that they, uh, sorry, the previous game they played as well. Um, yeah, he's been, for a bloke who's you know what a year or two away from retirement. Yeah, he's, he's been around like, a while. He's few flying clubs, around. Yeah. He's moving really well at, at the moment. Um, Drinkwater, massive overperformer. Yeah, yeah. I think you may even might have even had him sacked. Was it last year or the year before? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I know, I know Gump, shows, um, Gump. Gump had him sacked. Yeah. Gump, Gump was particularly hard on it. Cohen Hess and Drinkwater were <laughs> his two go-tos there. To, to uh, but he to. was brilliant, in with especially with his ball playing for this team, and he added another dimension of attack for them. Um, both their halves were tremendous. You already mentioned both of them. Drinkwater for mine was a standout over the, out of the two of them. Um, his running game could take him to a whole new level. Didn't. 
Ten, sorry. Yeah. Not drink water. Yeah. Well, I forgot. I didn't realize he was only 20. He was 21. Yeah, yeah he's a kid. Yeah. He started when he was 17, I think, at the Broncos. Yeah. Um, he's still got a good 10, 50, good 10 years in him for the rest of his career. And if the, if his running game improves and he gets slight, maybe bulks up slightly, um, he can really be a threat with the ball in hand. And he could, he could be one of the best halves running around for the next 10 years. Um, Tuolangi looks like a young superstar coming through. He's got, you know, big, strong balance. He's got a bit of that, um, what do you say, machismo about him as well. I'm better than you and he fucking knows it. So (laughs) if you want to try and take me on, good luck to you kind of stuff. And Valentine Holmes, he was was their superstar this year. I'm amazed at how well he's come back from, you know, Mm. obviously there was always question marks coming back from America. Half of last year. He changed his whole body shape as well. Which was always He looks completely different from when he went, when he came back to now. But he's, um, he's got that speed back. He's electric every time he touches the ball. I think he's now a 90% goal kicker on top of that. But he, he was brilliant for him. Did, um, did we ever think there would come a time where we'd be doing a North Queensland Cowboys review and name at least 10 players before getting a Jason Taumalolo? No. <laughs> <laughs> and you couldn't put him in as an overperformer yeah, either. Yeah. So, oh, the one I didn't mention either, which... Um, Reuben. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, no, no. Tom Gilbert, you Griffin Neen, like the, the, the whole, group, the yeah, the whole the young whole group forward of forward pack. Forward pack. Yeah. Here's the 100%. thing, and we say this, we, we're very hard on Newcastle, the players that go there. Good coaches make players better, and you can go through to a man, and they. Well, we we wrote them off because we looked at the pack and went, "Who the fuck are these yeah, blokes? Yeah, They're yeah. no one. Yeah, They've yeah, never yeah. done anything." Ruben Cod is now they looked in atrocious in defence last year, yeah. and then within the space of one off season, he's turned them into one of the best defensive teams in the fucking competition. <laughs> like, Up until possibly yeah, it, the, the start of this year, even just on Ruben Cotter, his primary position was hooker. He was a backup yes, hooker. He yeah. was. But Reese Robson was in discussion for New yeah. South Wales, like, and is now Another in demand. Big Someone who a year ago, who was he? He he would have to be the third behind Appy and, and Cook. I think mm. we were talking about it on the show earlier this year. And if one of those guys was to go down, you had to replace him with a hooker. It, it, well, he was no in real there. I think he was added Robson. to the to the squad. Yeah, for game, for game three. three yeah. yeah, yeah. Robson would be yeah, and He's the only one one that'd be closer would probably be one of the Brayley brothers, brothers, but. You know, yeah, Robson was better than them yeah. for big parts of the year. So. Uh, and it's a, like you said, it's not like they, they're not a club who went and signed. Yeah, they signed a Premiership and a half back. It wasn't, mm. wasn't Nathan Cleary. It wasn't Adam Reynolds. No, he, it was wasn't, still, he was still sitting at what, sixth or seventh best half back in a yeah. comp. It's not like he was. And we, rated I think as, we probably yeah, knocked it. I think we were quite five. critical on it, actually. Because mm. uh, he didn't have a great last year at, at Cronulla. Well, but, he, and, and his period at the Warriors, too, he just sort of. Yeah. Because he had that lone move. For them to overperform. Um, like I said, almost to a man. Um, he's pretty incredible. And I, I, and they're going to... Oh, pardon me. Obviously, there's going to be issues around what happens with Luciano now. We might probably won't see him again. And yes. um, they're going to lose... But they're only losing they're Hammer. They're going all who, right without him. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, he did add size. He was actually good. He, he was added actually a good. bit of size. He added size and, and was quite dangerous. But they're going to... Then they lose Hammer, who they can live without. So yeah. they're going to be fine next year. They're going to... If they follow the same structure, and so. they're going to be better if for they the can experience. find two kids coming through. You get Lukey back as well. You got to remember yeah. he was missing for a big part of the year, and before he was injured, he was going fantastic. So, so you get them back. Uh, they've had the finals experience now. They'll be hard and they'll be hungry. They're a scary team next year, actually. Absolutely, it's a very scary team. Anything else, Dad? Not really. I think we we pretty much end up, end up covering them all off. The Sharks second. We we. Barney was quite bullish on him in the preseason, but 
I don't think any of us thought they were going to run second. No. Um, obviously, you ought to do it with a soft draw, so I keep getting told by them. But, uh, yeah. yeah oh, you only had to verse every other team in the competition at least once. Like, and beat most on. of them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, what, what was your take? We did, to, like, to counter, to counter that argument, we did say at the start of the year that they did have a soft, like, one of the better draws in the competition. Um, I, I did draws are relative, though, because at the time when you look at it, the you think, oh, they're, 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 they're an eight, 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 eight team yeah. playing yeah. other eight teams. Like, it's, like yeah, well, we had Titans, five or six teams. Titans and Knights finished in the top eight last year. Yeah. So whether they all of, all of a sudden mm. become a fucking a tick instead of a 50-50 game, yeah, then right. it changes the whole draw does. altogether, doesn't it? But, um, oh, what do you say, mate? I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be biased as anyway as it is, but they went fantastic. They 18 wins, 16, six losses. Average 23.4 and 16 against. Massively overperformed. I expected them to finish sixth. They ended up finishing second, obviously. Um, they'll be... I, I was very disappointed by their finals performances, so I can't see how, how they'd think any better of it than what I would. They'd be absolutely seething, I would imagine, especially that, that game against Souths. They were never in that game, Um and realistically, they were. I, in use, front I use of the phrase. I use the phrase a lot about Brisbane about the fuel gauge running out. Was that yeah, I think Sharks so. fuel gauge? I think so. They yeah. put everything into that game against the Cowboys, expecting to win when they were every chance of winning, and probably should have closed that game out. Yeah. And then they would have had a week off going into Parramatta the next week. So, could have been a completely different story. I think if they win that game against the Cowboys, they probably get into the grand final. But you know, that week off does oh, help them. Oh. But it's all what ifs and could ofs and should ofs yeah. and didn't. Right now, so somewhere um, in the multiverse, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, that'll be seething, and I think that'll only spur them on to even bigger performances next year, to be honest. Um, to lose to the Raiders twice that hurts, just <laughs> especially going down here and seeing just don't like the Raiders seven years, mate. We haven't beaten them in seven fucking years, and um, <laughs> considering one of your best mates is a Raiders fan, absolutely. Um, the Let's put it out there. The underperformer in the team was Moylan. I know there was big parts of the year where people were singing his praises, but he definitely underperformed again. Um, he was better than what he was the year before, he, so that probably even says something else. I would even it? go as far as to say for the majority of the regular season, he was good. <coughs> but then when it actually came to the whips were cracking and they were an actual premiership contender, it seemed he at least just sort of capitulated a bit. Telekai definitely underperformed as well. Um I, don't, that, I think that was more of a structure. It was, they, so they, they don't didn't play, use him they, as yeah. an attacking centre. And he does. If you're not going to use him as an attacking centre, you may as well put him back in the in the in the middle because the last six games of the year, that's all he did. Yeah, was take second second tackle hit ups, and that, you know, he was making 200 metres every game, but it wasn't out in the centres. It yeah. was it was through the middle of the field, and you yeah. know. There's a, whole, there's a whole difference of having someone out there. Like, I know if they run straight at him, he, he folds blokes in halves. Yeah. But as soon as you get someone with a bit of footwork and a bit of speed, he's all at sea trying to defend out in the centres. So, um, yeah, for me, he was an underperformer. He had some really good games and he, he always put in, but they just didn't use him properly, which led to him probably not reaching the potential that he could have at the back end of the year. And I thought Finnegan, to be honest, was a slight underperformer for me. Um didn't play the minutes I expected him to. There was a fair few injury issues, which which happens obviously getting a bit older. But um, it also felt like his he, never, he never really got going. No, his leadership he was, injured, was always there. Suspended. Like you could see that he was—he's yeah. always out having a crack and going at a hundred percent. But 
he just didn't seem to have that impactful run or that mm. impactful tackle apart from taking uh, uh, Crichton's ear off that yeah. one game. <laughs> but um, I think you'll see better things out of him how again this year. 33, 34? It's very hard to be. Like, realistically, how many props slash middle forwards get to 32, 33 and still keep going? Yeah. Like, like let's say Petro. You know, Petro... Was it wasn't bad. I just expected a fraction more out of him, to be honest. I so know, but you, yeah. maybe... And for a long time there, it, I think it took a long time for uh, Fitzgibbon to get his head around their forward rotation. The way they were going to use McGinnis. Uh, and just and how it all yeah, worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, went, and probably by the end of it, pulled the, the right thing. rotation. Did. Yeah, he did. At the back end of the but, year. Um, Ollie? Well, an overperformer for me, and I'd say that the best player for Cronulla was Nico, and I say overperformer in the sense that I certainly didn't have him as the best player in the comp at the it end wasn't of the season. I think he definitely overperformed. Um, in that sense, I think someone as well who maybe not even overperformed because consistently, but someone who definitely deserves a shout, Blake Braley. Um, he probably doesn't get the credit he deserves, especially in defence each, each week. He gives decent service um, out of hooker. So he's just definitely someone I'd want to give a mention to. And to be honest, We've spoken about it, but the backs, right, uh, out on the edges as well. They're as lethal as any combination in the competition, I'll go as far as saying. So I think those blokes as well, Molotalo's, well, yeah, Ramian, talking about Albani, Will Kennedy, Machismo, when he was... That's, yeah. uh, that's Molotano yeah. all over. Yeah. Well, <laughs> doesn't like getting better. Yeah. Um, no, he doesn't. Which you, which you want, but... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and Will Kennedy, I thought, was still good over there when he would have his brain snaps and... When he got suspended and injured, wasn't quite up but, uh, to not last, last year's performances. But yeah, so I think the, it was the, the eternal Gutho Kennedy argument. Where's it currently? <laughs> Kennedy, I'll <laughs> say Kennedy. Okay, or the ball plays oh. just as well. Kennedy, it's, it Kennedy. Is, it'll be a fifty-fifty toss of the coin. Depends who turns up on the day. I would imagine. But um, if you're going to sign someone for three years, you'd probably be going and signing Kennedy before you'd be signing Gutherson for a three-year contract. Mm-hmm. So. What's next? You hold. Well, just a couple that we missed. Um, I thought Nakora overperformed this year on what he's done the last sort of couple of years. I thought he was really good and he became a really important option for him at the back end of the year. Um, the Running that back line, uh, running the lines out in the back line there. And McGuinness was close to their best player every single week yeah, that he yeah, played. Him. He was fucking fantastic, man. And uh, he would he's right up there with the best buys of the season. He's, his defence is as good as anyone and his leg speed and every time he hits the ball, you never see him just sort of plot into the line and back into the line and try and offload or whatever. He's trying to get through the line first option mm. and then if he doesn't get through the line, then he's looking to turn and offload after that. But So you're freeing up, so Fafita's going. Yeah. You're freeing up some spots. Tolman's retired. Tolman's going. Mm. You need... You really see you need a bit of creativity probably from one of those forwards, a new fresh forward maybe. Would help. Yeah. Kafusi f- will help, I think, a bit. Oregon Kafusi, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you need a 5'8 end of the day. I think Sharks are in a company to 5'8. Someone like a – the, the perfect bloke would be someone like Adam Dewey. You can just break tackles, kick occasionally. A, a Dewey or a Brown or – I think they've got the – I've got the – I honestly think Lockie Miller could be turned yeah. into a five eight. To be honest, I agree. With you. Touch footy player. He's got. We he's saw got, got some I, ball skills. I he's saw enough got out of him where he should be. He should be in a seventeen. I he's think. got footwork and speed, and he looks like he, he's got a decent passing game as well. So, I couldn't see how like if you're going to find a spot for a for a touch footy player, it's fullback or five eight, isn't it? Yeah. Like there's no real yeah. other spots on the That's field right. to play unless you're going to put him on a wing and Wings just burn people. But I, I think with Nico as well. You can actually sort of have a situation there where you tell Miller more times than not you can Just run the follow ball. Nico. Follow yeah. Nico, but also run, you 
you got freedom to sort of run the ball yeah. when you sort of see fit, and Nico will take care of sort of the next, controlling next the two side. Tackles I, afterwards. I think. Yeah. I think if that you can see work. half a gap, just crack, yeah. have a crack at it. Whereas there was a lot of times this year where there was oh, broken field yeah. play, and even when Moylan did try to put his foot down and go through half a gap, he just doesn't have the pace that he used to but have. Even in even in that last final, most of the time he didn't want to run the ball either. So. Even through that finals, the, the last finals game. There was time and space that they could have exploited, and they actually didn't know what they would. Once Nico was out of play, there was no second. There was no second thoughts on that. Then, um, you know, whether it was just trying to find a trying to get um, Brayley, trying to get Nicora into a gap. Bill or Kennedy but looks was, like he could probably even play five eight if you wanted to put do. Miller at fullback. Um, he's got definitely got the passing game. Yeah. Um, big, long, lanky, you know, decent speed. But at this day, re- realistically, there's if you've got the pace, you can play either one. If you're happy to defend in the front line, so. Maybe that's and he's a little bit bigger than Miller, so he might, you know, he, he could probably maybe get through a bit more defensive work than what Lockie Miller would. But Wade Graham, where's he at? Oh, he's bench player for the next year, maybe two years, and he's got to he'd be retiring, oh, going to England. Like twenty-five-year-old Wade Graham would be perfect for this team. <laughs> Absolutely, Absolutely perfect for this team. <laughs> Absolutely, he, would. he would have probably got nearly got you home at five-eight in a couple of those games, but in yeah. there, oh, he's at the end of his career. He's been a, a Really good servant, you know what I mean? Like, the last four or five years of his career, he's been a back rower who kicks a little bit, and, you know, but he's, he's dropped away from what he used to be, but he, he still have a spot in this team for the next 12 months. He was, And, you know, he had, back in the year, he was actually pretty good in a lot of yeah, those games. when he got some time yeah, on the field. Yeah, he was yeah. pretty good. Teague Wilton, he always had a spruik. I don't think okay. he, I don't think he comes into the first. I don't think he comes into the starting side. I no. think he still Just plays the same role that he plays yeah. at the moment, 40 minutes of... Um, Back up second rower. So who's in uh, you know, what you get? Ueli, Rudolph, and Hunt is your your prop rotation. Yeah, and Kafusi. And Kafusi. We can do both. Franklin Pele should find his way into the seventeen. Um, there's been a spruik on him for a while, but he's still only a kid. I think he's only twenty one. Yeah, the option is you you, you, you push Fanukin into the front row full time and give McGinnis eighty minutes because yeah, you know he can do it. You got your Wiltons on yeah. the bench and and maybe throw your rotation shot. through them. Jack Williams, I don't think, played a lot this year. Who's another back rower sort of in the same mould as Wilton that could come in and play a role off the bench. But What's it mean for next year? I think they'll be as good, if not better, than what they were this year, to be honest. Um, yeah. Another year under Nico's belt can only help. Um, they, I, I really want them to find someone that's six foot four and 115 kilos, you know, to play in that middle. Eddie Blacker. <laughs> they need a big middle. Like, <laughs> Eddie Blacker uh, or... They need a like big that. middle to, yeah. f- to replace Fafita because even at the back end of the year, while he wasn't incredible, there was games there where he was quite good and yeah. very effective and it, it just suits the Sharks, the way that they play, someone to come through the middle of the field, whether that's Pele or Oregon Kafusi, given more time for them next year, but... I think they'll be there when the whips are cracking again next year. I know this player doesn't specifically fit that mould, and we've brought, brought him up before, but I, I want your thoughts on him. Specifically, let's just say tomorrow, the Sharks signed Martin to power for 2023. What would your thoughts be on that? Yeah, as a bench rotation, I wouldn't want him starting. Yeah. I think you've got your, your that, Wellies I think and that's Rudolph that's and probably, something. But yeah. I, the bloke I'd be going looking for is Clamour. You know he's not happy yeah. at Newcastle. Mm. You saw how good he was for Newcastle this year. If I was Fitzgibbon, I'd be the first bloke I'd be calling is David Clemmer. Do Cronulla yeah. have sort of a, a, a good, type? well, like a good amount, a, a good amount of money to actually? Well, they've got, yeah, there's two mil there. Okay, then Tolman and between Tolman and Fafita, there's like one point four plus. There was somebody else who's who's just gone out of the team that I can't quite think of, but 
Actually, they had money left over this year. They had about 500 yeah, left over. Left over yeah. And between Tolman and Fafita, they're looking at having about $2 million spare to spend. So, okay. so Powell's not a bad um, like for both. like for Fafita. But Start Clemmer and then have Powell on the bench rotation. Yeah. But. Absolutely. Anything else to add? Not really. I agree. No, I think they're, yeah. they're going to be there and thereabouts. But the, uh, them and the Cowboys are the two most interesting teams for next year because they're going to be both better for the run, um, have enough young talent that's going to be more seasoned. And they are quite and, young, both sides yeah, as well. And, yeah, and, and be more seasoned and be hungry. They're, they're two teams that I imagine we get to our prediction show will feature heavily. All right, the Premiers, the Penrith Panthers. Well, they're the best team in a the comp. They're the fittest team in a the comp. They were the goodest at football, Barney. They had some um, the breaks go their way, to be honest as well. Oh, you don't the, say. The, the Cleary um, suspension was ended up only being a good thing. The um, you know resting all their players a week before the finals, and it all just seemed to click into place come grand final day. So I still think that you, they did a, run a risk. In, in other teams yeah, that can go wrong. Yeah. So you've got to say. Well, even that just they, the um, way that they started against um, South in that first preliminary yeah. final, they could have been blown away. Boy, like they South could have come out and scored another two tries, and well, should have scored another two tries in that first game. Yeah. And then it would have been a hard road back to try and win that first preliminary final. And then they all of a sudden have to go and do it the hard way. They don't get another rest before the finals. And, yeah, so things, sliding door moments. But um, they did it well. And it worked out to, worked out to the minute, realistically, <laughs> come grand final day. Um, what do you say? We I had them first. I, I said that they'd be lucky to lose many games all season. I said <laughs> they could probably go through undefeated, but <laughs> not quite. Um they had a. They scored twenty six points on average each game, and they conceded thirteen. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good luck beating a team when they score twice as much as they let in. Uh, twenty wins, four losses. Uh, the best team all year. Deserved winners. Hard to find an underperformer in that team <laughs> week in week out. I could not. I I couldn't find one to be honest. I couldn't find an underperformer in that squad. From not from what their role was now. No, they all did their job. They did it perfectly. Um, overperformers, uh, realistically, half of them you expected out of them as well. But yeah. Cleary, by far and away. Um, if you, I reckon, a gun to my head, if I had to pick an overperformer, an underperformer, I'd say Jerome Lewis. Yeah. But it's not his. It wasn't really his place. Yeah. And he was injured and suspended and the things in between. But yeah. Well, that's and Stephen Crichton like, for a long time. I think he. Went from elite, he elite still center, does his job, you know, and had his best games in the final. A lot of them did produce their best games in the final, including the one. And, I'm not, and that's actually not not a knock on either. I'm just saying, if you had to pick someone for the majority um, of the year, they were probably a little bit below where you expected them to. Well, be. Well, yeah. in the terms of if if now there's a salary cap crunch, I can imagine they can live without Crichton. Yeah, or they want to. They can live without Crichton. They can live without. We'll see how they live without some of the other players, but. Um, well, when you've got the next Australian squad coming through your junior system, you can probably afford to lose all of them you eventually. Mean squad. <laughs> Samoan squad. Well, well he both. Seemed, he seemed yeah. to, um, all three, maybe. Seemed to play better missing half a year, half an ear, to be honest. So mm. maybe you should go say thanks to Dale for that. Yeah. But ever since that, he seems to put, put the headgear on and he just played tremendous footy after that. But um, Am I keep it on now? Cleary and... James Fisher-Harris, you got to put in as over, not really overperformers, but they were fantastic week in and week out, which is sort of expected, maybe slightly overperformed. But the three big ones for mine were Appy. Yep. Appy Coruscant, 
definitely overperformed from what I think the majority of people expected out of him. Uh, most people expected him to be good, but he was fucking amazing for the majority of the year, um, most games. And then you throw in your, the, the likes of um, Sorensen, who I think just seems to he, he's getting better. Like he's only playing a bench role, but he's getting better week in and week out. I don't know what it is. I just love him so much. I don't know. He's just great. He's he's in. You know how we talk about teams of favourite players. He's probably starting second row for me. Uh, no, he just puts his puts his body to work week in week out. Never shirks his responsibility. Takes the tough hit ups and tough tackles. And Dylan Edwards, for me, was probably the biggest oh. overperformer by a long way, considering, what, three years ago, the bloke was struggling to catch a football yeah. <laughs> and ended up getting dropped and the way he's turned it around. And it's just his positioning. I don't think there's a fullback in the game that positions themselves better. Oh, maybe Teddy Teddy's, Teddy's in defence and attack. Like, every time a ball's rolled through, he's there. Every time there's half a chance, he's he's always there. Even if he doesn't get the ball, he's always in position to... You know, assist in the attack when it when it's happening, and yeah, for me, he was easily their best, uh, biggest overperformer. He he was phenomenal to the point where now people are whinging that he's not the Australian team. <laughs> is um, a credit to him, a credit to what he's done with his game. Uh, his attacking play, his ability to run three hundred meters a game on top of that positional play, uh, and from all reports, and if you go back, the fittest man in the if universe, you go back, apparently. they let um, you know, they let like we've said, they let Savage and Laurie in the same sort of generation go yeah. and always said he was the one he was the one um even against penrith fans they got it right i suppose they saw it and uh, understand his defensive positioning is great um i mean like his ability to call the game behind the line it's tremendous and um yeah he he is an absolute breakout year and interesting to see what he does bring to the table next year oliver yeah well i had penrith finishing second on the ladder and losing in the grand final, so pretty hard to do, but I underestimated Penrith this season. A, a lot of that was based off of how good I thought the Roosters would be. But um, right. overperformer definitely Dylan Edwards as well, uh, in the sense that there were people towards the end of the year, and I know we personally weren't, but saying that he could actually win the Dalian medal or that he was up there being mentioned in terms of best players in the comp based off of the season. So... Yeah, to go from obviously dropping um, three balls a game and getting dropped from the, the squad to doing that, I think definitely. And this has been the best year of his career by far as well. You could go close as well to saying he was Penrith's best player. For me, it's either Edwards, Yo, or Coruscant, one of those three. I think Cleary was really good as well, but well, it's hard to say. Yeah. The suspensions and he wasn't there as much. And probably I'd say overall last year, Cleary was better purely because he was on the field more. Um, and I, this I is think funny with the, like the Dally M chat. Is, there's just so much recency bias as it comes to it. Like, of course. And we had, a, we had a look at I think at he the... had one point before the yeah. round 12 or whatever it was. Plus so also, yeah. good I think luck people get it. That kind of... But there's recency bias, but then there's also not, whereas everyone just thought Hunt was winning because he was on top at round 15. When you actually sit down and look at it, yeah, round 12 we had him nowhere. And, and he was right. He wasn't even in the yeah. top five, was he? He won top 10. No, it so. wasn't top ten, and yeah, it's just it's people to get lost in the weekend and the week out. Oh, like when like you, you go back and actually can't. have a look at it, to say like even the fact that Teddy got as close to Nico Hines as he did sort of astounds me to be honest. Because yeah. there was games there where 
He was given three points, and Manu yeah. was wasn't given one. Yeah. Whereas well, we had that, a, that, we had him having the three points. You that, know what I mean? When we like, looked at that whole table, it was actually atrocious. <laughs> but that said, I wish they still allowed you to bet on it because I would have had a fucking crack at Nico. He, Absolutely. Oh, he would have made some money. He would have got three or four bucks. Oh, as well. yeah. <laughs> it would have been money for Jam. And um, anyway, they they bound it, barred it ever since whenever it was a couple of years ago. Bellamy, yeah. So yeah. they, but anyway, they. Yeah, I'm going to get strung up on Daly M voting at the moment, but <laughs> how bad? Like, it made literally no sense. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I know. We could do a whole show, I reckon, in the off-season and go through the list and just fucking <laughs> laugh at every yeah. single one of them on the way up to the top go through, 10. Like, like, I actually refused. The top 10, they got pretty close. Barnes showed the me rest the list, and I, did, I refused to believe him. Right? <laughs> I, actually, that's not, I, no, I'm sitting yeah. next to him. That's not the list. He sat there for an hour. Got, that's, that that's can't not, be right. That's, that's not, not the list. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and blokes like Olakuate won two points. That's <laughs> it. Tarpanay on five oh, or something. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay. Anyway. Cool. Well, um, <laughs> I think at least for me it sort of dawned on me, you know, I, I know at least you for a bit, Dax, I was sort of going and I understand why there could have been a, a bit of a twist in the tail because sometimes there is, but... Maybe it was hitting hope as well. For yeah. me, yeah, and, and I understand, <laughs> I understand, but... Um, we all wanted a beat. For me, be for me, for, from about... Well, from a personal standpoint, not against Para. Once it was against Para, I was oh, well yeah. and truly on with Penrith. But um, look, maybe from like maybe about round seven or something, I was like, well, Penrith's probably just going to win the comp again, and yeah. and they did. So, as I said, I used the analogy. Um, we used to use a death by a thousand cuts, and that's still it. But then, yeah, I think the they've drag, added to that a bit. Drag as them well, out though. in the deep, yeah. like they just, they just go through the motions and completely have to complete. And it's weird because even the other night, Trev was sitting here going, oh, they're just the most boring team in the comp. And teams you'd say about Melbourne, but what they do is when you actually watch football, mm. they're better at what they do yeah, than that's everyone what else. They do and they have their processes week in, and they week trust out their when processes. They have to, but you have a, that, I think the grand final was the best game Penrith played oh, in absolutely. the last three because years. Because that was the most complete oh, they've been game. Dominant but, as, well, but in terms of underperformer, look, we knocked Liam Martin this year. Mm. He after playing Origin last year and he played again and we actually had question marks on that throughout Whether the year. Whether he should have been picked, yeah. And he was phenomenal in the finals. Yeah. Crichton was phenomenal in the finals. Tuo was phenomenal in the finals. People were questioning Tuo. Couldn't believe it because he was on the wrong side of the field to what he's used to, but also to what Penrith played. But when he got back to the right side, look what happened. Two tries and 700 metres and off he went. And, and they it, were just, yeah, completely in control in that grand final. They dominated in every aspect of the game. And it was probably one of their best attacking games, even though they did sort of switch off their attack for the last 20 minutes of the game. But that was just an absolute thorough performance out of Penrith, and that sort of rings alarm bells for everybody else going into next year. Look, there is they hope. have lost a couple. There is hope because they are big losses. I'm sure they can absorb Like I've said, I think Penrith are six lengths better, and now they might be three or f- two or three lengths better. So we'll see how that plans out. And then, you know, at some point, injury, they've, they've been, either through luck, good luck or good management, they've got away from any massive, serious injuries. Well, it's weird. Over the past couple of years, you, you look, and it's not that they've necessarily avoided injuries. The, the injuries have just come at sort well, of they the did perfect... Have, like, clearly, like he did have a shoulder, did have the sole shoulder, yeah. and he, but they managed yeah. it well. It was, two it, it was sort time. of this year, the injuries came very early, and last year, the injuries came, so everyone came back the week before the finals, and they were fresh and... And ready to go, so it's yeah. I, I wouldn't necessarily say um, a lack of injuries, but maybe blessed with the injuries that they've had and when they came. Timing, yeah. yeah. So yeah. A lot of it again will come down to injury suspension and just for general fatigue. Like and that, that, there's going to be more of a well. play in Origin as well. That turns as well in that you know if I had got touch wood, <coughs> I hate to say it, don't wish injury anyone, but 
if Cleary does an Achilles in round one, then the whole comp just goes, oh, hang yeah, on a minute. Absolutely. Oh. Does. Or Fisher-Harris. Or like we saw even the games through origin period, those games with the Tigers and um, was it the Bulldogs should have beaten them? And then but it was just Fisher, Harris, and Appy just tend to go. It was the Tigers, yeah. It was. Yeah. It was a, yeah. I think it was a similar game against yeah. someone else, but it just, it just the last five minutes, their best players stood up, and um, I'm sure that'll continue. Like there's, there's still depth there, but they are massive, massive losses. Given how good Kikau, well, Kikau was fantastic this year. The player that's always been pigeonholed as, you know, flair, a bit of flair, but you know, what do you get in defence? His defence was fantastic Stand, at times. Defence was his brilliant. scramble, um, his ability to. And I say it a lot about back rowers. The really top-class back rowers find a way to be there, get that ricochet off a ball more. Be, and kick out, and in defence more so than attack, kick out seems to always be there, get a hand under it. Or who does? Sean and Lane's he went back to playing his role it, a little bit more this year, where yeah. like not having to be involved all mm. the time, not getting in the way of the attack, mm. knowing when to inject himself. And, yeah. and maybe that comes with a bit more confidence. Clear he's now more confidence. He's saying just... Stay out there. Piss off your big bus. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it to you when you need it to you. And they go, okay. All right. yeah, yeah. So maybe there's an element of that too. What does next year hold? Oh, top four minimum. Yep. Um, again, we'll be in there kicking, ripping and tearing at the end of the year. Um, obviously, it comes. To, we'll know a lot more in, <laughs> in 11 months from now. But, yep. um, yeah, I, I'm not sh- I wouldn't be surprised if they finish fourth and win the comp. But... I think they'll lose a few more games during the year than they have this year. I think you, you'd be looking more at like six or seven losses rather than just having the four during the year. I can but. see them dropping those origin games that they've managed to keep for so long. I would say probably third at worst, to be honest. It's going to be a lot harder. Um, a, a lot harder to win the comp and even make the grand final. But I feel as though during the regular season, I think they might drop a couple more games. But largely, it will be sort of the same story that we've seen and then come finals time is where we might see that sort of added depth to the competition I guess you could say really come into play against Penrith. Well, I think the competition's going to be weaker to be honest but we'll get to that. Ooh. Fair, fair, <laughs> in, in a certain show or? It's, well stick around at some point in this oh. Spotify feed there will be a bold prediction show where we get to have some fun and as I say throw some shit against the wall and see what sticks in 12 months time. And uh, anything you want to finish on? That's the wrap of the season. It's been all right. Oh, well done, Penrith. Yeah, <laughs> Again, they, they what can you say? Well. Well. They're the best team. Absolutely the well deserved. Team. Um, They're the smartest team and they won the comp, so who's to say anything else? And we're gonna have to, we'll be saying the same fucking thing for the next three or five years. That's what pisses me <laughs> yeah. off the <tomorrow. laughs> look, look, And the way I sort of think about it as well, whilst, yes, Penrith will, will probably not be might not might not be the team, team, but they're still going to one of. They're going to be like mm. sort of like Melbourne, where they'll win at least if two you're a Penrith fan. Five, you're not going to be spend the next five years depressed. You're going to no, you'll no, be buying be a jersey every discussion. year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, Seraldo might be, but you don't know. Maybe Seraldo is the genius behind. I saw the, him the day after the grand final. Actually. He was up. He was, he was up at the. Uh, great I saw games. him at Panthers. Um, we went down on the on the Monday to have. Um, to have lunch to say farewell to the Baileys and um, no, yeah, no. standing behind us in line, I just wished him well and said hello and yeah, it's nice. So. He um him and uh, Peter Wallace are up here. Oh, Sunday night must have been no, it must have been, it would have been the week before last, before the grand final. Yeah, okay. up for a couple of cheeky beers and watching three sixty or something inside. Scandalous! So. Don't let oh, Paul no, Kerry here. No. Don't <laughs> let Paul <laughs> Kerry here. Yeah, no, just guys. Were they playing the pokies at 9pm? No, they did not play the pokies and they were very responsible. 
This is probably not the way we should have ended this show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why, why, why change a habit of three years? Eh? Anyway, that's footy and frothies. That's our sign-off for the uh, reviews proper, eh? So back shortly. Um, leave us some feedback through all the general posts, socials, YouTubes, Twitter, all the rest of it. And um, bold prediction time coming up soon. <laughs>